We've another great episode lined up for you today. We're speaking with Michael Varadi, international speaker, trainer, and author from Limassol in Cyprus. Michael has delivered talks, seminars, and workshops to a range of organizations, including McDonald's, Microsoft, and Ericsson. And he's a visiting lecturer at the University College London and University of Lausanne in Switzerland. And he's spoken twice at TEDx. How did he do that? This is episode 10 of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. You're very welcome. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hi, welcome to the show. My name is Mark Garrett Hayes, your host on this podcast every single Thursday. Glad you're with us again this week. This is the podcast, as I say, every single week for training business professionals, helping you to start to grow and to scale your training business. Today's guest is Michael Varardi, speaker, author, and trainer from michaelvarardi.com. I will, of course, provide the links to Michael's website, as well as all other links mentioned in the show notes to today's episode. If you're listening, Michael, thanks again for your time. Michael, good morning and welcome to the program. Good morning, Mark. Great to be here. You're based in Limassol in Cyprus. Yes, Limassol, Cyprus, a beautiful island in the Mediterranean Sea. So for those who've never been there before, what's Cyprus like? Uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm a bit biased, but I think it's like paradise on earth. Uh, they used to say back in the old days, my, my late father used to tell me that uh, in the UK where he worked there, uh, that Cyprus had 360 days of sun out of the 365 so it's a beautiful place. So your family has a, a successful business in, in Cyprus. Um, you could have done that, gone down that path, but you chose the path of international speaker, author, and trainer. I'm just curious, why do you like speaking and training so much? <laughs> Excellent. Uh, first and foremost, uh, I like speaking and training, of course, but it's not that my ultimate aim. My ultimate aim is to help people reach their full potential. And uh, I have gone down the path of the family business because I have worked for the family business for 15, 15 straight years. I'm still a director in the company, but I'm not active anymore because my career uh, has uh, fruition into not only local, but also on a global status. So you cannot go around uh, running too many businesses or I cannot go around running too many businesses. So I worked in the family business for 15 years and I've gone down that path. I really enjoyed it. But uh, then I left to pursue my passion, which was what you have just talked about, speaking and training. And you were influenced by someone called Jeffrey Gittimer, who is the author of a couple of books, one of which is The Little Red Book of Selling. He also hosts a fantastic podcast, which is really entertaining. It's called Sell or Die. Um, how did Jeffrey influence you and what was the result of his influence on your career? Yeah, th that's very true. And uh, it's a long story. I'll make it as short as possible. When I first started working for the family business, uh, my dad at the time uh, told me that we just imported plastic articles, plastic products, polycarbonate, polyethylene, from a company called Carlyle International that were based in the United States. 
Uh, and he told me because he didn't want to get me worried that I couldn't sell, I couldn't produce the goods. He told me this is low cost products. So go ahead and do whatever you can. The Americans said that uh, our goal is to sell one forty foot container. And if we do that, we get to keep the representation. So to cut a long story short, uh, in th 365 days, uh, my efforts have uh, proven uh, worthwhile. We sold eight 40 feet container and uh, we were awarded the first European uh, award in sales in terms of population size, of course. And they flew us together with my brother in Charlotte, North Carolina, which happened to be uh, the base of Jeffrey Gidomer. Jeffrey was invited to speak. He came on stage, he spoke, uh, he gave a seminar for six hours. That was the first time in my whole life that I stayed rooted in one chair. So as soon as he finished, I walked up to him and I said, Mr. Gidomer, how can I become like you, sir? After I told him congratulations. <laughs> right. And he said, it's easy and it's difficult. I said, as a Cypriot, what's easy? <laughs> and he said, study two hours on your chosen topic, except weekends, every day, except weekends. In five years, we'll be recognized in your country, 10 years worldwide. So I bought his cassettes at the time, not DVDs, not CDs, not podcasts, nothing, cassettes. And I bought his uh, two books that he had at the time, The Sales Bible and Customer Satisfaction is Worthless, Customer Loyalty is Priceless. I started reading. He was uh, right. Uh, even though Cyprus is a small place, almost non-existent on the map, it took me seven years to get my first local uh, training session and 13 years to get my first international session. That was uh, four, three or four years ago. And that's the story. And tell us some of the highlights of your career to date since then? Okay, some of the highlights, there are many. Let me boil them down to three. Speaking uh, for Ericsson in Tallinn, Estonia, during Ericsson's Innovation Day in front of their executives at the Kumu Museum. It was, it's sort of an oxymoron because we were talking about innovation in a museum. And, uh, <laughs> Good point. <laughs> and my feeling is maybe they've done it on purpose just to show that what you innovate today will end up in a museum tomorrow. And that really got me thinking that uh, I should self-develop myself if I want to help other people reach their goals and, uh, and dreams. So at the end of the day, it's not about liking speaking or training. It's about helping people develop. But first and foremost, we need, as you know, Mark, because you're doing an excellent job to develop ourselves. That was one of the highlights. Secondly, when uh, I got my first ever training event in New York City, that was just before I lost my dad uh, because I called him. I was in Israel at the time. And I called my dad to let him know that uh, out of the many competitors, they chose Michael Virati to fly to New York City to train the American P&I Club production indemnity. Uh, they insure ships uh, together with Lloyd's up to $8 billion. And I flew to New York City in uh, Fleet Street to train their team. And uh, I believe they were very happy because they booked me for this year as well. I'm going for five days training, not two days, and uh, not one day like last year. And uh, the other two is uh, managing to become a lecturer at the University of Lausanne. I lecture a course on public speaking for the MASIT, Masters in Advanced International Taxation. That's an eight-hour course for the, the top, uh, the, normally the top four, the big four, as we say, PWC and the rest. And also at one of the most prestigious universities in the world where I do 
uh, a speaking event every year, once a year. Some the university that you do, you know as well, I'm sure, University College London, UCL in London. That's that that are the three main highlights. Wow, that, that's 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 amazing. Yes, thank you. Do do you think that Jeffrey's uh, formula was right then so far? I believe Jeffrey's formula was spot on. Uh, Jeffrey's formula spans uh, back to the outliers by Malcolm Gladwell and the ten thousand hours. And from what I've read, it it wasn't Malcolm Gladwell's formula. It dates even further back. So as Malcolm Gladwell says in his book, Outliers, even the best of criminals take and require 10,000 hours to perfect their craft. Even the Beatles were unknown for seven consecutive years. And it's after that mark that they started making themselves known. Yeah, I've heard that uh, expression otherwise expressed that um, allegedly uh, Bruce Lee is, is supposed to have said, I fear not the man who can... Uh, do 10,000 kicks. I fear the man who has practiced one kick 10,000 times. Correct, Mark. You couldn't have said it spot on. So what are the, some of the challenges in running your own international speaking and training business from day to day? Uh, first of all, I run it on my own. Uh, they say that no man is an island or no woman is an island. It's true. So some of the challenges or the most important challenges is to manage my time well. Uh, I, I believe you might know it as well. I, I don't know if you have a team behind you, but uh, if you are a lone ranger like I am, uh, it is very, very important to manage our time well. And uh, I believe so far I'm doing it quite well, uh, even though sometimes uh, I fail at it. But even when I fail at it, I look at uh, the fail acronym as the first attempt in learning. <laughs> so then I get better as, uh, as time progresses. And you're doing a lot of traveling right now still. Yes, I, I do a lot of traveling. Last year, I did a lot more traveling than this year because this year I had two major clients, uh, two uh, global clients that are stationed in Cyprus, and uh, I did a lot of work for them. So two major clients gave me almost 70% of my turnover from last year. So the year is doing very well. Well done. So looking at your business, um, you offer, for people who've not yet come across your brand. You offer motivational speaking, seminars, and coaching. Let's imagine that someone wants to work with you. Describe a, a typical speaking project or training, training project with one of your clients, perhaps in as much detail as you feel comfortable doing. Okay, thank you very much. Great question. Uh, first and foremost, let me say that a lot of people or the majority of people attribute motivational uh, to Michael Berardi. Uh, for me, motivational, if it doesn't have any substance, it's just uh, nice words being spoken or uttered. Uh, I, I, I look at it as educational together with inspirational, bringing my own personal examples and examples that uh, I've lived through them, both in Cyprus and abroad, and helping companies or individuals reach their goals. Uh, so let me give you an example. Uh, let me give you the two recent examples I've mentioned earlier. One was with a shipping company and the other one was with a huge educational institution, not the ones that I mentioned earlier. Both of them wanted to bridge the gap between their employees. In one case, there were 13,000 employees and the management, which were 11 people, the top, top, top management. And the other case, exactly the same, but in a smaller, on a smaller scale. So what I did, I went in there. I, I heard what the management had to say, but that's one, uh, that's one side of the coin. I interviewed 
10% of the employees in one certain region because I couldn't interview 10% of 13,000. So I interviewed 10% of uh, the employees. I heard their views as well. After I finished my interviews, uh, I went back to the management. I interviewed them once again. And then uh, I devised, I uh, prepared all the seminars, both for the management team, because it's very important to get the management team uh to understand what we want to, what, what changes we want to instigate. And then I got all the team uh, in that certain location to help them as well with their customer service and also with their communication uh, with, uh, with back and forth with the management. So that's one case, just to let you know. Okay. How, how do you decide what to charge clients for a program like that? Because pricing is always a tricky subject, isn't it? To- totally correct. I follow the advice of one of my early mentors, even though I've never met him in person, Brian Tracy, uh, who said that uh, I used to take my price up, upwards and upwards and upwards and upwards. And uh, as I was taking my price up, uh, I could see that I had more demand for my services. But bear in mind that you need to prove your worth and you need to give value. So... I started raising my price because I remember my late dad gave me an advice when I was starting. He said, Michael, get your prices as high as possible because if you don't deserve them, don't worry, son, they will, they will, they will go down to the bottom. But if you leave your prices low and you just want to leave them low just to start your business and start getting customers and you deserve to have higher prices, you will never reach that ceiling. Never. Because your customers will not be willing to pay five or six times as much because you gave them a very low price at the beginning, even though you're worth more. So it took me a year and a half of disappointments of people telling me, sorry, but Michael, we're not paying three times as much as what the market in Cyprus is uh, paying. And then they asked me, do you have experience? I said, no. And they said, where have you spoken before? I said, never before. I've never spoken to anyone before. That's my first gig. And they said, do you know that experienced people on this island charge three times less? I said, yes, but if you don't like it, I'll give you your money back. <laughs> so I got, <laughs> I got thrown out of offices two or three times. I came back to my dad. And I said, dad, they are paying me for an hour. What do you pay me in a month? He said, Michael, it took you at that time six or seven years to prepare to be where you are. I believe in you, son. So keep your prices up. S- stay working for our family business. And the day will come that you will uh, command your pricing. So that's what I did. And uh, even this year, when I raised my prices, also in my home country, uh, because I cannot uh, charge double of what I charge abroad and uh, charge less in Cyprus, even though it's a small place, uh, I have st- I have still seen that I have met my goals and exceeded my goals. So it's experimental, uh, Mark. You need to experiment but also deliver value and even more value than is expected of you once you get the business. Yeah, it's funny. There's, there is a correlation between uh, value and price in people's minds. It's almost as if people feel uncomfortable paying for something high profile if if the price isn't high enough because they're looking perhaps uh, to others. Uh, if your price is high, they perhaps see more in, in, in the actual delivery. Whereas if they're looking at a lower price, they're perhaps looking at yours and then saying to the, the other person, you know, what's missing? Um, if someone's price is low, they're perhaps thinking that you have more than they have. Probably correct. And in the majority of cases, that's the case. And uh, to prove this, uh, I got uh, one of my students at University College London happened to work in Microsoft. 
He liked what he's seen. He talked to his manager, and that was a few years ago. I, did, I gave them a quotation, and they said, no, thank you. So I said, okay, when you lose, don't lose the lessons. So can I find out how expensive I was? And he said it wasn't expensive. It was too low. So assumption. <laughs> you know what they say about assumption. <laughs> and in terms of marketing, how are you marketing yourself? I know that you host uh, Zoom In with Virati, uh, which is a video interview series. How's that going? It's going well. It just started because I used to have Ask Virati. It was a series that started uh, before Facebook Live. So people were asking me questions. And then I went on to record videos, which took three hours in my office. Stop, start the camera. And then Facebook Live came to my rescue. So I was bringing in guests. It was doing very well. Uh, but I was insistent. Even though I wasn't getting the numbers that I wanted, I was insisting. So it took three years and three months of Ask Virardi. And then I turned it Zoom in with Virardi. I wanted to zoom into best practices for companies. Uh, and we interviewed the HR of Pirelli, the HR of uh, uh, various big companies. They don't come to mind now. And people can find all about these interviews. It's going very well. Did you say and HR, so, Michael? HR, yes. HR of Pirelli and HR of, uh, of various other companies that don't... Ah, HR of also uh, Ericsson, if I'm not mistaken, and other few companies, yes. Okay, so what made you go down the path of live, live streaming? I'm curious about that. Uh, first of all, uh, there is uh, if you if you do live streaming, they they give you more visibility in, for Facebook. I don't know the exact numbers, but if you do a post of a photograph, let's say you get three percent visibility. So if you have one hundred followers, three of those followers will see it. If you do a video, let's say ten percent will see it. That, that's approximate numbers. But if you do a live streaming, it doubles up to let's say twenty percent. So for me, I have around 20,000 followers on Facebook, for example. And when I do a live streaming, it shoots up. So that was the main reason. And also people, uh, they live. I believe there is something inside us. I don't know what it is exactly. But when it's live, mistakes can happen. Anything can go wrong. So people uh, are drawn to it. So live streaming. And you are on your toes. You are alert. And you don't need to <laughs> yes. press any stop. <laughs> <laughs> any stop button so literally anything could go wrong i suppose that's 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 nice because people see you're vulnerable um and they see that you're human like them and and things can go wrong um it, would you prefer live streaming if you had a choice live streaming to doing um videos uh, for as in content creation for retrieval online or would you prefer live streaming i believe you should do both i believe you should do both uh i prefer live streaming because i know i don't have a second chance of getting it right uh whereas with videos uh sometimes if you if you if you get my iphone and check it you'll see that uh to get a video out of two minutes i might sometimes do a trial run of 20 videos so i'm losing time so live streaming one go and you need to get it right and it keeps you on your toes but this shouldn't uh, exclude everything else that you mentioned up to now. When I was doing some research uh, for this podcast episode, I came across your website, which is obviously the thing to do. I was absolutely blown away by the, the design. I mean, it, it, it literally is as good as anything I've seen from any of the top speakers. I've looked at all the, the websites I can think of, Tim Ferriss, um, John Lee Dumas, uh, David Simon Garland, etc. Your website is world class. How, how did you 
conceptualize that? What made you go for something at that level? Because it, it doesn't look like it's it's you've you've gone cheap, shall we say? Yes, it's true. I haven't gone cheap. And just to give you a bit of background, Mark, and thank you very much for the compliment. Uh, when I started uh, looking for an upgrade to my previous website, which was nothing of the sort of what you're talking about, it was just the opposite, uh, very badly designed. Uh, I looked at 18 people. Half of them, they gave me the website uh, creation for free. They said, you're Michael Virardi, you have a, a large following, we'll do the job. If you're happy with us, just refer us. The other half would do it for peanuts, let's say around 50, 40% for peanuts. And there was one guy who had uh, a reasonable price, but I wasn't happy with anything that I've seen, even with the ones that wanted to do it complimentary. And my wife turned to me and he said, I, you must be a very peculiar guy. And I said, it's too late for you because you already married me. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then out of the, out of the blue, I looked at a website that was done for one of my customers, BunkerNet. I was blown away with the website, and that led to a, gr a Greek company called Comigraphics, which uh, I visited in Greece. They charged me four times as much as the higher bidder. I paid for that. I paid that money. I even revamped my uh, image, business cards, letterheads, everything changed my logo. And I went all the way in, even though financially uh, I was better off doing the complimentary ones, but I didn't. I went all the way in. And just a few months ago, I don't know if you know this, uh, we won the first award in the whole of Greece. I'm in Cyprus, but Greece is a much bigger country, as you know. And we won the first award in our category uh, together with Comigraphics. So praise goes to Comigraphics, not Michael. <laughs> and do you, I mean, has it really made a difference for you to have a website of that quality? I'll tell you what the difference is. No one will hire you because of your website. But if somebody refers you, let's say the CEO says to the HR, go and have a look at that guy and let me know if you want to bring him to our event, at our upcoming event. Or the HR goes to the CEO and says, uh, there is a guy called Michael Virardi. Would you like to check him out? That's the time that it really makes a difference because no one will pay the fees that we're charging just because they saw a website. So, but, but the person who um, receives the referral, I suppose that's their instinct, isn't it? They're going to go along and say, okay, who is this guy? Yes. And the first impression is very positive. And as they go into the website, uh, I believe it, it becomes even more positive. And there is content in there for them to see as well. You know what did it for me? I was absolutely stunned by the quality of the video. I think it was Lausanne, Lausanne in, in Switzerland. Yes. Uh, you, I think, did you use a drone camera for that? I, I used also a drone camera, but uh, a very talented person, half Russian, half Greek, Savas Baltzis, i uh, flown the guy all the way with me from Cyprus to Lausanne at the University of Lausanne. Uh, and he did the whole video. The guy is immaculate, very professional, uh, easy to work with. And I'm flying him also most probably to UCL in October when I come to UCL to lecture. I'm going to be flying him all the way to London. Yeah, well, compliments. Um, I'll, get, I'll get the details after this. Um, of, of course. Of, of the course, company of in Greece and the videographer and put them in the show notes. But yeah, I mean, absolutely world class. So hats off to you for that. Um, you mentioned UCL as well. What is the reward for you in 
in you know getting on the academic circuit where you pop up in Lausanne, you lecture there, you go to UCL, and I think you're involved in two other universities. W- what is the payback for you? Is it to do with your brand or is it something else? The, the biggest payback is uh, the satisfaction I get working with students. Uh, at UCL, they're younger students, but at uh, Lausanne, they're mature professionals. And uh, if you are patient enough to wait for the long term, these are the people who are going to be heading departments or even big companies going into the future. Uh, it's my fifth year now at UCL and in Lausanne. And I can tell you that these people started going up the hierarchy ladder. Some of them are even partners in their law firms or accounting firms. And that's the time when the, my phone has started ringing and it's been ringing because of five years ago when I trained somebody who was promising and improved their presentation skills. So that's it. In terms of monetary rewards, I get paid in Lausanne. That's nothing to do with the amount that I get from the corporate world, but I truly, truly enjoy it. And between you and me, and even if it goes live, I don't mind. Uh, I would do it complimentary as well. I love it. I love being with students and uh, I love their enthusiasm and passion. And you've also spoken at TEDx, I think, on more than one occasion. How's that? Twice. Uh, twice, yeah. How's that helped your brand? People and professionals respect TED a lot. I respect TED because whenever I find time once or twice a week, I watch one or two of, of their videos about technology, education, and design. Uh, that's the TED. And uh, Whenever I speak to people, most of the times they ask, they ask me, have you spoken at TED? So as soon as I saw that, I placed it almost first or second in my website that I spoke in at TED. Uh, people respect TED a lot, and uh, I respect it as well. And it has helped my brand. Yes, it has helped my brand. And you've written two books, because uh, I mentioned at the beginning you're an author, so you've written two books. Uh, one of which is Positive Impact, 28 Ways to Boost Your Life and Your Business. And then you also wrote Crisis, What Crisis? What inspired you to, to write those books? And the reason I ask that is because I've just finished an ebook and I'm aware of how absolutely laborious it can be writing a book. And, you know, looking at that cursor on the screen at, at six in the morning and you have a cup of coffee, you think, what, what do I write? How do I do this? How do you keep going? And what was your inspiration for that? Excellent question once again, Mark. And uh, first and foremost, for a speaker or a trainer, both yourself and myself, having a book is like having a passport because uh, time is limited and you can fly or speak or visit a customer and you can do it, uh, let's say, dozens of times or a few times, but your book can travel worldwide and it can travel in various places. Secondly, all our experiences, they need to be recorded somewhere. It's a legacy to leave for our children, but it's also uh, it's also good material, or probably if it's a good, a well-written book, it's good material for professionals that they can put into practice. Uh, my books have uh, kick-started my international career because they were translated and placed on Amazon. They helped me tremendously in my home country where they, it became a best-selling book. Both of them became best-selling books. One of them took one year, the other one took two months only. Uh, because I was much uh, more um, better well-known. And also, if you meet somebody, instead of only sending a thank you email or a thank you card, you can accompany that with a book. And what better thing to accompany it with your own book? And the reciprocity principle kicks into effect. Have you uh, planned for a third book or a fourth book? 
Yes, I'm planning for a third book, but uh, when I wrote my books, I had, I had, I didn't have a five-year-old son, so now I have a five-year-old son, <laughs> and uh, he has become my number one priority. I also lost my father very recently, who was my mentor, and time is limited on this earth, so I make my son and my wife my first priority, uh, and success for me doesn't come in terms of uh, the turnover but it comes in terms of uh, quality work for quality people uh, whom it's a joy to work for and with. Yeah, my sympathies on the passing of your father. Thank you very much, Mark. Thanks a lot. If we could, let's say I have a time machine on my desk in front of me. I'm going to lend this to you now. You're going to go back to, let's say, the beginning of your speaking career. Uh, I don't know if 2007 is correct, but let's say we go back to that time and and you meet yourself. and you're going to give yourself some key advice now to accelerate your um, your fame so that you can get, you know, achieve things much more quickly and, and remove some mistakes, do some things more of certain things and do less of other things. What would you do and what would you tell yourself to be more successful quickly? Excellent. Uh, I never regretted anything that I've done in the past. Uh, but there is one thing that I would tell myself, I would tell Mark, I would tell everyone who's listening in, is do research. Because when you do research, it's you, you talk about your own work, your own conclusions, and you can or probably will influence the world in a positive manner. When you do research, you do not refer to others, but you refer to your work. And uh, when you do research, you're hired by more people. Uh, people will opt to get Mark or Michael because they have research behind them. And that's exactly what I've done for my third book, which is on presentation skills. I got people into a room. I told them exactly what the topic was. It was a topic that was foreign to them. And uh, I told them to make a speech without even training them. So they've done their speech and I recorded it. And then I took them through a whole day of training course and I recorded them again at the end of the day, giving the exact same speech on the exact same topic. I took the two recordings and I sent them to UCL, University College London, where the master students and uh, the other students, but preferably the master students, would watch it and give us their ratings, how they improved on, on all these pillars that we pinpointed down. Now you do have research and you have concrete results that you can improve people who have a closed mindset of 33, let's say up to 33%, and people who have a growth mindset up to 53% all in one day. It took me 17 years to be at the spot where I am now, and I'm still learning. And if I can do that in seven hours and improve them between 33 and 53% proven by research, then that's what I would have done from the beginning of my career more research rather than coding others without saying that you shouldn't be coding or referring to others' works. Looking to the future then, um, where is Michael Viardi going to be in two years' time? And how are you going to get there? Okay, of course. Uh, In two years' time, I will be probably at the same office, hopefully having another child, which is uh, something that we plan with my wife and we love uh, and we're longing to have. And uh, in terms of, because people are asking me, Michael, would you like to franchise it? Would you like to bring other people on board? I worked for our family business. It was fun. It was exciting. But I used to go back home with, uh, my heart, with my head ready to explode. Because when you're working with people, even if you're a good manager, 
and I don't pride that I'm, I was one of the best managers, you're still, I used to go home very tired. I want to keep it small, lean, and beautiful. Maybe this is not what your uh, fans or followers would like to hear, but in my case, I would like to keep it small and beautiful. Uh, I have a good job. I have, uh, I'm practicing my passion. I'm getting good returns, but uh, my aim is not to become a millionaire, but I would like to become a person who has a million different emotions, hopefully positive, living with my family, with my friends, and people like yourself, which I met recently, and uh, I feel very positively towards. It's not a, not a bad recipe for a happy and successful life. Thank you, thank you. Where can listeners find out more about you? You mentioned your website, which is uh, www.michaelverardi.com. Yes, michaelverardi.com, and uh, they can find me on all social media channels and platforms like LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest. But if they go to michaelverardi.com, they can follow it from there and they can reach me everywhere and they can get uh, uh, free content, uh, advice or videos, blog posts and the rest. Okay, well, I'm going to include those uh, links in the show notes for this podcast episode. Michael, it's been wonderful talking to you this morning from Limassol in Cyprus. Thanks for your time. Mark, thank you very much for the opportunity given. It was a pleasure being on your podcast and hope we'll meet soon again. Thank you. Thanks, Michael, for speaking to us live from Limassol in Cyprus today. It was great having you as our listeners with us again this week. Thanks for your time in taking the time out to listen to the show here on trainingbusiness.com. We'd love you to subscribe to the show for Training Business Talk Like This every single Thursday because it means we can keep you notified of upcoming episodes, both public and private episodes. Yep, VIP episodes. And it also gives us the chance to let you know of special offers or upcoming news, things that we think would be of interest to you. Leave a rating on Apple Podcasts. We'd be very grateful if you would because this helps us to promote the show among your peers and my peers, people out there, and of course, to attract the right guests to the show whose expertise and journey in their training business can help you with yours. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you can check out the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Spotify, and of course, on our website, www.trainingbusiness.com. We look forward, of course, to your company again next Thursday for another episode of the show. So until then, have a wonderful week. See you next Thursday. Thanks once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Go to trainingbusiness.com and subscribe right now to be notified of great competitions, upcoming VIP episodes, and amazing special offers to help you succeed in your training business. See you next time.